What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Can excellence really be a standard? Can excellence be something that you can strive for and attain every day? And if it's true, you can, then excellence wins. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to invite you on this leadership journey as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and places that God has put us. Well, today is one that I have always wanted to do. It's a person that I've always wanted to interview. He's the gold standard in his industry. And I'm going to tell you, when we get done with this conversation today, he is going to be one of your favorites if you've never heard him before. We're going to get to sit down in episode 183 with the one and the only Horst Schulze. Mr. Schulze grew up in Germany, but he moved up through the hotel world so quickly and became one of the founding members of the Ritz-Carlton Company in 1983 and really helped them create their excellence and their standards that we all know the Ritz for. He eventually went on after leaving the Ritz-Carlton Company. He went on and founded the Capella Hotel Group. And this luxury hotel group managed some of the most elite properties in the world. Horst has become the guy, a luminary in his field, the gold standard of excellence. And when you hear him unpack it, it makes you want to be your very best. When you think about hospitality, you think about Horst Schultze. When you think about excellence and things done to their very best, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear all about it today. So I don't know where you're listening from. I don't know what all you've got going, but I hope you'll carve out a little bit of time to sit down, to take notes, and I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with the one and the only Horst Schultze. Well, Mr. Horst, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. It's my pleasure. Well, it is your your story is just fascinating. Hotels are what what has been in your fiber for so many years. <laughs> Even when you were a little boy, hotels fascinated you. Walk us back a little bit in your story and why the hotel world has always been part of your blood and part of who you are. The, the real foundation, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I but I know I went to my parents when I was about eleven, and told them that I would like to work in in a hotel, and become a waiter and a cook or whatever, and be in a hotel. And of course, there was no response to that. Say, yeah, sure, and, and because after all, you don't take it serious when somebody with eleven. Uh, I know my daughter came to me and said she wanted to be a canine policewoman <clears throat> when she was 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I asked her why. She said, because I like dogs and I like to give orders. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to my parents and they didn't take it serious, but I kept on insisting and asking for it. And I kept on talking about it. And pretty soon um, in fact, my grandfather said, don't say it anymore. He was getting embarrassed because that's not something you did in Germany during that time mm. uh, after the war. That was 53, mind you. <clears throat> and, uh, but I kept on insisting. And, but nobody knows, not I nor my parents knew why I got that idea because I had never been in a hotel. There was no hotel in the village where I grew up. I had never, in fact, I had never been in a restaurant before. Mind you, this came, we came out of the war. And, and so 
but I kept assisting, and eventually my parents inquired in a government agency, what would you do to have a career in the hotel business? Well, you would start in the beginning, but preferably in the best hotel possible. Mm. So they found a job in the best hotel in the region at the time, which was about 100 kilometers away from my hometown. And at that time, that was far. You take the train and change three times to get there and so on. But with 14, my mother took me there. Dad was working. My mother took me there. I stay, I lived in a dorm room with other kids. And I started working as a busboy there. Uh, in, in fact, I, I should hook into that first day because that's, that was a defining day, the first day when I got there. Uh, my parents had already told me uh, ongoing, you know, this is a hotel where only fine ladies and gentlemen go. We could never go there. This is only for important people and for fine people and rich people, but not we could never go there. Now behave yourself accordingly and self. typical mother tells you the, what to do, take shower, wash your socks, and so on, you know. And when we got there, the general managers spoke to my mom and I for about 10 minutes, telling me that the guests there were very important, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. And I was there, part of the team that has to serve them. And in fact, me learning to serve them. And uh, they, that was the same speech and a very, in other words, he <clears throat> literally said, you're nothing, they're important, and you have to understand that you're nothing, you have to take care of but the next one I took the same day was the maitre d' of the hotel, the, the person that I actually reported to in Brookville. And he said, he changed me two sentences in my life. And he said, the first thing he said, now tomorrow, show up at 7 a.m. If I meant one minute after 7, I would tell you so. It's 7. And so she, he established... Uh, rules and regulation and mm. preciseness and, and expectation right there. But one says, no, <clears throat> not that I got that and evaluated that, but I heard him, but I learned that over the next few years working with him, uh, an, an exceptional human being. And the next thing he said was, and don't come here to work. Come here to be excellent in what you're doing. Mm. Create excellence. In fact, he used the word, the English word, excellence. And he, he spoke a number of languages fluently and so on. He was an exceptional human being. <clears throat> and that's the beginning of the career. And I spoke with a friend uh, a few days ago. I mean, success in our careers, in our life, and, and what we do and how we think. We all the impact of... But the, that, the impact many people had on us. We started with our parents, of course, mm -hmm. and, and, and our values and so on. And that gentleman impacted my life yeah, dramatically. And, I was lucky with some others. And I wonder if you had met somebody else, if you had met somebody who didn't do their job with excellence and who didn't attack each day with fervor and vigor how differently your career could have ended up. Exactly. That's what I, uh, what, uh, what I wonder. I know I had, it was also the, uh, on a totally different economic level when we were, we were in a, in a very fine hotel, but at, at home, economically, lower middle class in the village, there were also values. You, 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 you live certain values. That was, there too, that helped too. But if I wouldn't have run into him, I, I don't know what would have happened in my career. I, and, and he was an example. He talked about his time in England, his time in, in France, his time on the ship working and so on. And he, he created a longing of learning that way too, to go out there and learn languages and become better. And, and he, and there was typical at the time recommending once you're finished with your base apprenticeship here, which is three plus years, 
uh, go and work seasons so you get exposed to new hotels and new and, and new countries. Don't stay in Germany, move into Switzerland, go to France, go to Czechoslovakia or wherever. <laughs> so uh, he gave that type of encouragement at the same time. What were the things your parents taught you by letting you chase your dream that became so invaluable to your journey and who you are today? Yeah, well, my, my frankly, my mother never forgave herself that she let me go with 14. <laughs> I literally, literally. Now, they were proud that I was successful and, and, and so on, but... But she said, how could I, as a mother, let a child of 14 go and live by, by himself and, and so on? Uh, but the values were there. I mean, give me give you a very simple little example. Uh, it's funny what impact we have on children. And I was thought about, remember, they told me, don't smoke. Now, everybody smoked at the time. And there's, there's nobody around me, the kids that I work with, who didn't smoke. In fact, I finally met a, when I was 18 or so, and a, a girlfriend, had a girlfriend that smoked. And in her group, they kind of literally forced me to smoke, to take a cigarette. But the conscience was so strong from my parents put into me. I, I, I had a bad conscience, and then took one puff and said, wait a minute. That's why I go against the rules of my parents. This is not worth it. And I said, never again. And never wow. again touched a cigarette in my life. Now, with other words, there were many other values, but this is such an easy example, clear example, that values that you give to your children, that you're responsible as parents to establish great values mm. to your children. Don't be, and I've learned that with my children, never mind when you think they don't get it when they become teenagers. It sticks. That's Somewhere right. it's there. And we we see that I see that with my children. Mm. As your career began to grow and you began to travel, not everybody you met in that industry was Mr. Zeitzer. He not everybody had the love and the passion for what they did. Was that was that hard for you to to go? Gosh, I learned to do it this way. Now as I'm moving up the ladder, not everybody wants to do it that way. What was that struggle like? Yeah, and, and if you have if you have young people listening in uh, on the podcast, I, I really would like to give them a message relative to that. I stayed and and the. It, it was exceptional how this man impacted me. But he, 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 there was not the slightest compromise relative to X, what is excellent and what we were doing. If it wasn't, the, 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 the fork was totally straight. If there would have been just a sense of it is not straight, he would have called me right away and said, that's not excellent. Mm -hmm. If it, if it, anything you did, and, uh, and so... It, but there was constant of re reference to is that excellent. So before I left, and constant reference, create, you are here to create excellence. And so before I left there, he, he said, come here, look me in the eyes and promise me never to go to work. Look me in the eyes. And, and I promised him, obviously, and I took off season in in. In, in Switzerland, season, season on the ship on the Merkel line, another season in Switzerland, worked in Paris, worked in London, uh, worked with a little stand in between in Germany again, and then came to the United States. And I came to, and the point is I came to San Francisco, where I lived in the famous, <laughs> had a little dirty furnished room in the famous Tenderloin district about uh, three blocks away from the Hilton Hotel where I worked as a room service waiter. Wow. Now, my whole thought was, I will go back within a year or two. After I learned the language pretty well, I'm still working on that part. But And after I have gotten a promotion in my work, and I could see that job in room service was a promotion job because the supervisors got promoted by the manager, they got promoted out to restaurant manager and so on. 
And and I, I knew I was by far the best bidder there. That was totally no question about it. I knew I know service from the left, right, how, how to touch a plate. I know everything. And the other kids only knew how to take an order mm. and deliver the food. And I had another in because the manager was German too. So I knew the next promotion is mine. It was that was totally clear. And then sure enough, one of the supervisors got promoted after about six, seven, eight months there. I don't know exactly. And that was my job. And the manager said, tomorrow morning, everybody staying here at eight o'clock. We say goodbye to Bill. And we will announce the next supervisor, which of course was me. So I went to that meeting the next morning and we applauded Bill for his new promotion. And the, and the manager announced Fred as the new supervisor. And I knew I wasn't Fred. Mm. <laughs> I knew that. And that was a major blow to my ego. Mm. It establishes to me that management is stupid at the time. It took me several months to admit the other guy deserved it more. The other guy came to work a few minutes early. I was very young, I partied. I came to work a few minutes later. Oh, not much, not big deal. Why would anybody worry about that? The other guy, when he walked in, said, good morning, everybody. And I said, morning. And you could see from 100 yards that I was tired. And when the manager asked to do some side work in our business, like, like folding napkins, the other guy said, I'm happy to. And I said, why me? Mm. And when I came to the realization that I went to work, I came to the realization I went to work. I didn't go to great excellence anymore. Mm. I went back to my furnished room and talked to the maitre d'. Now he had passed away. He didn't show up as a ghost, nothing. But I was talking to him and apologized. And I promised him it would never, ever happen again. And it didn't. Mm. And of course, in the beginning, I wrote on my mirror, I got to work for excellence and so on. I worked on it and, until it became norm to try and accomplish excellence. Not, not not compromise excellence. Why would we do this as human beings? Why would we go to work? The chair in which we're sitting is working. We're human beings. We should have a higher intent mm. in what we do. And if, so if that's what this been, man had. If you had been, if you had gotten that promotion yeah. and hadn't experienced that setback, would you yeah. be who you are today? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Probably not. Mm. Oh, I probably would have seen it sooner or later. I, I, because again, somewhere those values stick, and that's why, and that, that is really a key element to understand that we have to keep on giving values for those around us, and that's a, one of an, our role as leaders, and not give up because. Some don't get it. Something is left in their mind and eventually will be applied to their behavior. Nevertheless, I believe, don't give up. Mm -hmm. And that's true about your children and your, and your relationships. And of course, those that you lead, you keep on leading, knowing as long as you, the, the word leading is, is always one of those things. As long as you know, your leadership is good for them. You can work in a way without compromise and have high demand. High intent calls for high demand in others. As long as you know it's good for them, you can do that. And you have to do it. And in fact, you have to do that. That's that's the leadership. I see, see everybody talks about leaders. Most people, they're not many leaders. They're a lot of managers. Mm -hmm. the, but not leaders. You are known for Ritz Carlton. That's where that's where the world began to know your name. Yeah. Take yeah. us back a little bit in the story and how Ritz Carlton became what we know it as today, as the excellence and the the gold standard 
of customer service. Take us a little bit back in that story and how that came to be. I'm happy to talk to that, and I will. But uh, before I do that, I would like to say I started another hotel company after it's Carlton in That's a right. ultra luxury segment. And that, that hotel company is now rated number one hotel company in the world. Wow. Far ahead of anybody. And it is, I don't own it anymore. I sold, it was sold a few years ago, three years ago or so. So, but it's called, and, 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 and Capella, that's that company is called Capella. There's none in the United States. That's why you don't know it in Asia. In fact, I'm right now in one of those, was a Capella in, in Düsseldorf, Germany. And I walked in there and I realized I haven't been in a hotel that excellent for a long time, mm. even though I travel all the time. And and so that's Capella. But what what how were they created? Well, they were created with with a vision. It was my I I worked for for Hyatt, and after my incident in in San Francisco, I my career took off like a rocket. I was with Hyatt. I was regional, uh, regional vice president, general manager, regional vice president, and then corporate vice president. I left there because I had an offer to be the operator in charge of operation for a new hotel company. They had no name, had no hotel, in fact. Now, mind you, I was in charge of food and beverage operations for 65 hotels, all Hyatt hotels in the United States. And I left Everybody question me, you're leaving 65 hotel for no hotels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a dream. That's, that, right. that's, that's right. I had a vision and that's it. And that and 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 you know, I had I saw something, a purpose for myself. Mm. And 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 I set a higher intent for myself, not to just run something, but create something <clears throat> of excellence. And so my my vision was to create create the finest hotel company in the world. So as I said before, I had to question myself, of course. If that vision, if that's my vision, I'm not an owner. Is that good for the owners? Is that good for every employee? Is is that good for every guest? Is it good for society? Mm. And in fact, would God approve? And the answer to those questions in yourself is yes. If it is yes, you have no right anymore to compromise it. Mm. There are no more excuses. You painted yourself in the corner if you do that. And and, and seriously, and take it serious yourself. So I, that's the reason I went out there. And then, and then, of course, the next thing is, how are we going to do that? So the vision was clear. The vision, we want to be the finest in the world. And then the next question is, how are we going to do that? And that had to do, send around two things, two groups of human beings, the human being customer, guest, and the human being employee. Mm. I cannot do it, no matter how great I am. Idea I have for the for the for the for the guest, I cannot do it unless. The employee wants to do it. So first, I, I, we established what is the market, our market segment, our guests, what do they expect in the hotel business, in, a, in an excellent hotel? And we came up with a number of points that expect we, we work processes behind to do that. And then we made sure we aligned and that's a word that's being used in business today all the time. And it's kind of nauseating because when I ask the people to talk about it, they don't know what it means. We aligned the, sorry, please forgive me. We aligned our employees behind the thoughts mm. of the customer and expectation of the customers. And we made sure in our processes that the employees didn't have to do that job but wanted to do the job. And of course, that is leadership, to create an environment where employees want to do it and want to be part of the objective of the organization as a vision. But you go into an, any company, the employees don't even know the objective of the company. They know they want to make money and sell something, but don't know what the longer intent and the high intent of the organization is. So they're not never aligned. Mm -hmm. In fact, Businesses 
hire people to fulfill a function. But let me come back to what I said earlier. The chair in which we're sitting is fulfilling functions. We are hiring human beings. So why wouldn't you go to those human beings, talking to your leaders here now, and the podcast, why wouldn't you offer those human beings to join you in your objectives mm. rather than just come to work for you? Mm. And that was the, that was the look that we took. That was the philosophy that we took with Ritz Carlton, which created Ritz Carlton. The employees that enjoyed working for us, no employee turnover, like the industry that has 120% turnover. Employees that were part of something, wanted to do what we said to do, knew what they were trying, and knew also how they would benefit if we'd become the best in the world, that they would benefit by having opportunities, that they would benefit by being have get recognition, honor, pride. That's what they were invited to join. In your phrase, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen became a moniker for you guys for years that people well, bought into, didn't they? Yeah. Well, we have to go back on that one. And interesting enough, back to the major D and, and uh, the typical German way of starting a trade that way is you work and you go once a week to the school of your metier of your business. And I went once a week to the hotel school. And uh, after somewhat over two years, I was 16, we were asked to write an essay, three pages, what we now think of our business. So going back to work that night, you know, it goes to your mind what I'm going to write. In that moment, the maitre d' entered the restaurant and he went to a table. Now back to, they are very important, we are not, remember? That's what we were told, including by my mother, <laughs> my dad. In that moment, when he entered the restaurant, he approached the table, and I could tell the guests on that table were proud that he came to them. Now, wait a minute, that's a reversal. Mm, mm. That's a reversal. Those important ladies and gentlemen, proud that the matter D server comes to them. And I contemplated that when I went to write my, my essay, and I realized my light went on. I mean, I, I remember sitting there uh, uh, nearly fulfilled because I realized the reason why they were proud because he had defined himself as somebody special. Mm. Well, and I realized that anybody can do that. It's not the world, which unfortunately we think today that defines us. But that's a cop out, just so you know. All of you that think the world defines you and your neighbors or, or, the, or, or the race or whatever defines you, because it doesn't. You define yourself. And I knew it when I was 16 and I wrote an essay and said, we are ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. Mm. If we are excellent, then we are ladies and gentlemen. We define that. That is our decision to make. And it's each individual's decision to make who you are. And if you decide... That you're no good, well then you are no good. Mm. Simple as that. If it, but if you decide that you're excellent, then you have to live up to it. You live up there. That's the way you define it. It's not a decision. The decision is just to do it. Mm. Have a higher intent in your life, and not wait for others to bring you something. Mm. That is and I learned powerful. that that night, and sitting in my little room and writing an essay thinking about this gentleman who, who created excellence, not something consequently was highly admired and respected by everyone. Oh, and then I realized, my goodness, even if I'm a dishwasher, and I, by the way, I have met dishwashers who define themselves as human beings of excellence. All right, so even as a dishwasher, I can still define myself as a That's person right. of excellence. How quickly do you pick up when you walk into a hotel, when you walk into a restaurant, when you walk into about about, about a second and a half, <laughs> what's a, what comes across first to I, you when I, excellence I is know. a present? I look, you you must understand. I am since I'm fourteen, I live. I am in hotels. It's not a matter of analysis. It's a matter of feeling immediately when you walk in. I like the day, of course, this is a hotel that I ran. 
that in, as a company, it was a Capella Hotel. And when I walk in here, it's just no. Immediately, it's right. Mm-hmm. It's right. And, and, and of course, I, can, I could see if a lamp light is crooked or if it's on the floor or if a bulb is burned out or a painting is not totally straight or if there is a smallest spot on the, you know, look at it. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I come into a town, they have a beautiful red welcome carpet, but it has dirt on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's already over. How do they say hello? Do they look at you and say hello? Good morning, good afternoon. Do they look in eyes? Do you feel that they are happy that you're there? Do you know it with their, because their eyes? That all those things, of course, we taught in Ritz Carton. You must look everybody in the eyes when they come within 10 feet and still answer the question how Ritz Carton happened. That's, you know, so we select the right ambulance, we taught all those expectations, including behavioral expectation from the customer. We taught it, we had a great selection program, we had a great orientation program. We had a great teaching program. We had a great program of sustaining what we taught. And that was done to finish the Ritz-Carlton picture, how it happened for you. That was done by repeating one of the key elements of service every day. We had 20 elements. And today, maybe element number 12. If anybody asks for direction, don't point, take them there. And then we taught them how to create a relationship while they walk to them with them. And then, of course, in 20 days, you have to listen to that again. Now, people got, uh, management got tired to repeat the things because after all, everybody knows it. And, and finally, that also is part of leadership. I had to tell them, if you don't do it, I will fire you as a manager. Because I know that will make us number one in the world. And I know I have responsibility for all concerned mm. to make this number one in the world. I have made that commitment. Be, and because if it is, if it makes us number one in the world, why would we give up? Keep it front of mind. In fact, at the time I said, Do you know what Coca-Cola is? Yeah, I said Coca-Cola knows that you know what Coca-Cola is, yet they spend billions of advertising to keep it front of mind. Right. And that's what we did with all the stuff that we understood the customer want repeat, hired accordingly, orient accordingly, trained accordingly, and sustained it. So that's answers to, in a long story the question that you asked. <laughs> well, in the book Excellence Wins, you say there's three universals every customer has that you're going to be yeah. no defects, timeliness, and someone be nice to them. Why are those, they sound so simple, but yet when they're met, they make such a powerful difference. Unpack that a little bit. And think about how big that is. I mean, this is a fact. I mean, if you want to buy anything, that's what your subconscious expectations are. I mean, I always use the example of bottle of water because in meetings, usually there's a bottle of water around. If you buy a bottle of water, what, what do you want? No defect. No one has to swim in there. You want it timely when you want it, mm. and when the people give it to you, be nice to you. This is just an expectation that you have. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, oh, incidentally, we, we looked into that very carefully. It's it's all all, all people have it. They, 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 in Africa, they have it. Our employees in Africa, our employees in China, our employees in Germany, and our employees in Japan, about in, in Jamaica. They knew it all, and the guest there has the same expectation. So, so so far about so much about race discussions, you know, it's all the same. All, look here, maybe maybe I'm the biggest expert about race situations in America because I I had I, I work with all blacks in Africa. Mm-hmm. I work with all blacks in, in I work with all Chinese. I work with all Germans. And guess what? It's all the same. Mm-hmm. There's some good mm-hmm. ones and some bad ones. And that subconscious expectation that we just t- touched on by the customer is the same in all races. Now, there you are. Mm. <clears throat> and I love that none of those things take talent. There's no talent involved in timeliness, 
not having defects and just somebody being nice. You don't have yeah. to be the smartest person in the room to do that. I, I, exactly. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room to be friendly and nice to, to people and look them in the eye and say good morning. Mm. I was recently in a, in a five-star hotel, well-known, well-known. And they, were, they, they knew that, who, that I was a guest. They, they upgraded me to a suite to, to villa by the ocean. And I walked in the morning very early. I walked by the pool where the employees were setting up a buffet and, uh, to the lobby to buy a newspaper. I walked by about 20 employees. Nobody looked me in the eyes and said, good morning. That's a five-star mm. hotel. I mean, my goodness. And that's what it is, because like everything else, our business is becoming a commodity. Like everybody else. And and and, uh, and, and, and let's be honest, what do the boards talk about? Do the boards really talk about what the customer wants? Or is the board talking how to make my money? Mm. Hmm? I in in our in our internal meetings, I didn't didn't allow to talk about money. I wanted to talk about the stuff that makes money. Mm. Being friendly and nice and so on. Money it will come. That's that's exactly right. And you gave a great quote in the book. You talked about uh, <laughs> a quote from a pastor in an old uh, quote, but there's a broken heart in every pew. How yeah. does that drive how you, as a leader, looked at the people that walked through the doors? They may be in a five-star. They may be paying a lot of money for that room. But knowing that, what did it help you, and how did it help you serve them better? Yeah, it's interesting. I Not long ago, this year, I spoke to, um, to a group of classic hotels of America, which are the great hotels uh, in a convention. And uh, the owners and, and general managers were there and a uh, speaker before me. A lady who's running a very beautiful resort, and she's running it well, by the way, just on the side. But she said in her speech, in half an hour, and I'm not excited, at least 30 times in half an hour, she said, forget everything you know, everything is new. And of course, we're talking all, everybody talks about the high technology that is applicable in every, in, in every new business. And of course, she kept on saying that. And, and, and when I came up to speak next, I said, nothing is new. Mm. Because you see, the key element, when we say that, we cannot forget that the one thing that is not new is that a human being wants to be respected and treated accordingly. And that hasn't changed in the last, last 10,000 years or whatever, and it won't change. So our technology, when we talk about it, and all we do, if we're serious, we should use it to support the caring and responses and service to the customer. And, and because, and, and to, to take that in a different way today, particularly, you probably have some younger and older people, the, the father of today's millennials, in fact, the father that came to the Ritz Carlton 30 some years ago. <clears throat> The, the, the father arrived in a tie, in a suit, and uh, and wanted arm's length service. Welcome, we're glad you're here, but 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 arm's length, arm's length. And then take me to the room and leave me. I, I, I tell you when I want something. The son arrives with blue jeans and holes in him. And he's trying to say, look here, I'm a dude like you, which is a terrible lie. Because the son needs more to be told that we respect him than the father did. Mm. And that's a fact. And, we, and, and if we don't know that and think that everything is technology and not showing respect and caring to the customer, to the human being, you know, but, but come on, love your neighbor as yourself. It's, the, the technology doesn't show any love, not much love. It supports me in showing love. Mm, that's good. But it doesn't show love, so it's not not everything new. That's really good. The way we do it may be new, and the expectation, the need of the human being that walks in there to be cared for, is not new, and it will never be new. It will never, and 
to have that the human being to have that need. <clears throat> if you could sit down and spend 30 yeah. minutes with every leader and, and on this, on this podcast, you'll have CEOs of companies. We're going to have mayors of communities and police chiefs and athletic directors. You've got all facets. So you've got a, um, and pastors, a wide range of people listening. Yeah. If you could sit down and spend 30 minutes with them and say, if you could just get this, it would make all the difference in the world. What would that I be? lost it for one second. Please forgive you. Frost for one second. If you could just, and I repeat. If you could just get this one concept, oh, it could yeah. change everything about your leadership. What would you tell them? Well, uh, very definitely, un un unquestionably, you have to be aligned in your long-term objective. Mm. That's the look here. I'm I'm what what does leadership what's the word leadership mean? You mean you're leading somewhere. But but it cannot be a secret where you lead them. And, and, and where you, wherever you lead them has to be of great value to all concerned, as we discussed. It has to be exciting. It has to be something you want to be part of, to accomplish. You want to give something to accomplish. And yes, I want to be part of this. So, so establish a great vision. I, <clears throat> and so please forgive me. <clears throat> and dealing with a little cold. Uh, and let me give you an example. I, I work with these beautiful people. I mean, a number that is one example, because the easy one, uh, a bank in Texas, a little bank in Texas, where I consulted with a number of years ago, seven years ago, and sitting down with a group and said, what's your vision? Who do you want to be in, in 15 years from now? Yeah, well, we want to be nice we are nice people. We are doing this, and I don't. I said I don't care what you do. What? Where does your doing take you? And and, and nothing came out. We, we after twelve hours, and we finally established we want to be a leading financial institution of America. Now, first when 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 that came up people laughed you must be kidding we are a small bank in america in, in texas in a small town you know <laughs> i mean silly and, and i said well, well wait a minute i like that why, why why wouldn't you i'm not saying what can i be what do you wish to be mm, not mm. what we can be <clears throat> so what have we gone and done finally and finally it was adopted now suddenly they all had a common purpose mm. They weren't just work being there. The work was done for a purpose, not just uh, to make money. If it is only to make money, it's not different than wild animals foraging for food. Mm. And they do it so they can raise the, they can build, they have the strength to build it then and so on. Now, here all of a sudden we, we have a higher intent and human beings have a higher intent. And excellence can, is not an excellent, Accident. Excellent is to have a high intent and work for that intent. So that's what we did there. Now, that bank was incidentally last year bought a third best middle mid, medium-sized bank in America. And wow. by the way, the CEO sent me a note. We're going to change our vision. Now, mind you, there was absolutely unacceptance of what being one of the best financial institutions in America. It wasn't exactly, come on, you must be kidding. We finally said yes. And now they want to change the vision. And he said, we're going to write now the vision. We will be the leading financial institution in America. That's now, everybody has a reason as a line to create thought that clearly if you're thinking you being in your work there, you know that that would be of value to you. You would gain recognition, honor, respect, more opportunities. Everything comes with it, and that's what that's what if that if you're a sport group or if you're a church or if you are a club or for money, not for money, it doesn't matter. It has to be clear where you want to go together, and after you have established that. How are we going to do it? What would make us stand? What would make us, what defines us being the best? If you will, 
Why are so few willing to do that? That is something that's achievable to shoot for. Not everybody's going to be the best, but it's achievable to shoot for. Why do you find so many organizations that go, God, we'll just settle. We'll settle for less because of the work that'll take. Why, why do you think it's easier I, to I choose have, that? I have believed in it, but I don't know. I mean, I, I give you an idea. I looked at 65 general managers that, for intensive purpose, report to me that I looked at every day, and I want to know who are the leaders and who are the managers. I came to the conclusion after three years that of the 65 general managers, there may be five leaders and the rest of them are managers. Wow. And I want to give you, let me give you an ex, break that down a little bit. Here, here I visit the hotel. I happen to be with me walking. The general manager picks me up in the airport. That usually happens when corporate guy comes in because you're a corporate, you have some control of the future in the company. So they tell you, when you pick you up in a limousine, tell you on the way, if you're so proud that you're coming, everybody's excited. And of course, you know, that's not true. And they want you to leave again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he picked me up too. And, and I asked a question and that woke me up at the time. Uh, several questions. How, how do you like it here? Well, I can't wait to move on. Well, that's okay. Uh, how are your employees? Well, no service culture. Um, okay. And that, then I had a question. What will what will your hotel be known for in this town a year from now? And here's what the answer was. And that's what I learned happens all the time. He said, if I had a bigger ballroom, if my restaurant wouldn't be on the second floor, but would be straight entrance, if, and he had a number he had a number of excuses for a vision that he didn't even have. Mm. I can, my opinion after all this is, was, it is a, a lot of insecurity. They were, they're afraid that they won't make it, but that's not the point. Set a dream and keep on going for it. And I should tell you that even if you reach it, let me tell you something. We're being voted best hotel company in the world and so on. Big deal. What was excited, it was a journey doing it together with a lot of great people. So, your, so yeah. But, your uh, but faith yes, plays now, a let, lot. Me, let me take the opposite for a moment. Yes, the next please. thing is I, I, I visit. I visit Columbus, Ohio, a hotel very similar, a town very similar, and the manager picks me up and he has the same story. We are so proud that he was, and he, he also wants me to leave again. But <laughs> on the way, on the way to the to the hotel, because he knows that I'm coming there to criticize, to look at, to always, is this not normal? But on the way hotel, I said to him, how do you like the hotel? And I said, well, how, how do you like here? I can't wait to move out. I want to be in a bigger city. I understand. And then what about your labor force? Well, no service culture, but that's good. We can teach them hours. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a little different answer. And the next thing, where will your hotel be a year from now in this city? And he said, I assure you, I will bet you that a year from now, this city will be proud of this hotel. Mm -hmm. I had a vision. <clears throat> And when you walk to the hotel with each either one, you knew one was a leader, one was not, one was a manager. Now, there are many managers who are very successful economically, but they're really not moving the brand and the name and everything forward. That's really good. You're a you're a person of faith. How does your how does your faith play in your journey? In and especially in the world of excellence and demanding excellence of yourself every day. How does your faith balance in with that? Well, the first thing is my, <clears throat> my early faith was I was uh, uh, growing up as a young Lutheran being before confirmation. At the time, we have probably, uh, frankly, unreasonable, tough schooling of the Bible classes and so on. Uh, frankly, unreasonable. In, in fact, in front of the village, in front of the village, we had to pass a test. I mean, 
Oh my goodness. Oh, let me tell you. And if, if you didn't answer, and when you run around and said, Good job, you answered seven questions correctly. <laughs> oh, oh, or not. Which <laughs> knew if he didn't answer. Anyway, so, but when you finish, the pastor gives you a word for life. <clears throat> and he gave me out of the Lutheran translation now, there was one word that is not in the in regular in the translations that I read now, but in Psalm 91 4, mm-hmm. he will take you under his wings. And your confidence it was the word, the confidence will be under his pinions. Mm. His truth will be your shield and armor. It was with me all the time. <clears throat> it, it, it hangs in my kitchen now. <clears throat> it was with me all the time when something didn't go right. And I said, wait a minute. But it's later, pretty my marriage to my great wife, Sherry, that I really found that there's a difference in those things and a relationship with, mm. with Christ and it became what what you would call, uh, what many people would call born again. Mm. I accept that Christ is my my Lord. Uh, even even I had said it a million times because I often said the, the Apostles' Creed that says, Jesus Christ, my Lord, you know. Yep. And so, but uh, but uh, he wasn't. But uh, done. Uh, so, uh, very important for a totally different peace and sanity in life. But also, many Christians that I know, the employees somehow don't seem to be neighbors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love your neighbors yourself. That's right. <laughs> now, I, I don't think I come close to loving them. As I love myself, but I, I, I certainly try. I certainly love them. I I look at them as my friends. I go to work to be with my friends. That doesn't mean that I barbecue in the in the office, but I love them as my friends. I'm happy to be there. That's my decision. And if I open hotels and to go, I'm happy to go to with the dishwashers and 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 show them a little bit how to wash dishes and talk to them. And I'm, I'm happy to see them. And you know that we 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 as Christian leaders have to be a little bit step back once and once. Say, <laughs> what does it say? Mm. Uh, oh, love your neighbor as a self. Wait a minute, it's not a specific neighbor. <laughs> mm, that's really good. <laughs> you know, and at the end of the day, we're all in the people business, and yeah. we say this all the time at our church. We. You know, if the Lord's only intent for our lives was for us to come to know him, then he would have taken us home on the day we met him. But he left us here and That's he right. left Horst in the hotel business because you were going to meet people that you would never meet otherwise. As you began to grow in your faith, how did it change the purpose that you work for? As you really began for all this to begin well, to make sense? Well, as I, as I, as I touched on earlier, and that was not there in in earlier times was uh, that you question yourself if in on on decisions you make a high you always question yourself is that a high intent what is my high intent here mm-hmm. and and you the more you grow in a crystal phase you question yourself would God approve and and you 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 make decisions with prayer mm-hmm. and and not just a spare of the moment which which I'm still guilty sometimes of doing. But uh, that is that's that is certainly more and more. I learned how to do this, mm-hmm. and having a great partner, my, my wife, helping me. But that's that's a, that's a great thing, and having a a great Christian marriage too. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's a marriage really? With if you cannot sit down and pray together, that's right. We have vision together of your life because that there too a vision has to be in there. You will have of doing the right thing for your children and raising them to be uh, to to continue. Like my wife likes to say, uh, we, we will be a nation under God, and none will be lost. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> with this, with this in your mind, you will make different decisions also with your with your employees. But you have to, you know, if you never said back and think that my, my employees are my neighbors that That's I support. Right. I mean, come on, you know, as a Christian. 
it's so true. And I remember something my mom used to say when I was growing up. She said, don't ever forget there's somebody else that's better at things than you are. So don't ever think you're better because yeah. you're not. They're better. There's going to be people, they may they may wear a different outfit to work, but they're no less important as you. That's and difficult you what, for me. It's a, it's a game changer. That's particularly difficult to me because I'm German after all. <laughs> 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 uh, that's so true. Yeah. No, but yeah, well, so absolutely. We have to realize that. And this is <clears throat> and really. a taxi driver who drove me this morning. And he, he kind of was an in, in immigrant here in Germany. He kind of said, I didn't know. Uh, We're we, we, we all the same. And understand, but he, and then he said, you know, it doesn't matter. And we have to. Uh, why? Why would we be, be unhappy? Why are you unhappy? Why are we said we got the same job? Some of them are happy, some are not happy. Mm. <laughs> it's a mm. decision. You see, again, for me, it's all a decision. That's right. And the decisions have to be, of course. You you know, if your decisions are good decisions, high intent. If if you if you know that God would approve, but everything is decision. I, mean, I always give an example. Uh, Everything is a high intent. Your your destiny again is not luck. It's the decisions that you made. Mm. And if your decisions are driven by the value by values that are in, that are that are our in, that are driven by our Judeo Christian values, well then then your decisions are driven that and then you will have a great destiny. Mm. I mean. Good. So it, it doesn't matter in all this and the, the, the whole the whole issue. It doesn't matter if it's a sports team, or or, or church or a non nonprofit or a big organization, big small business, small but it's small business of one or or business of. We had twenty four thousand employees when I left. It's called globally. Now, and, and, and does it work again? The erasure issues that we talk about in every location where we were, we were number one. Every mm. location around mm. the world, five continents. That is amazing. That yeah. is amazing. So, so it, it it really doesn't matter. Because, but you have to be driven by a great vision that is of great value to everybody, and you have to question yourself that thoroughly. Is it really good for everybody? Yeah. And share it. Share them. Tell. Show them. Let's go to them. Align them. You know the Bible says. Great last question of the day. The Bible has a great statement. The Book of Acts. It said, "King David lived his purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep." What do you <laughs> think was the great purpose that God created horse for all those years ago when He knit you together in your mother's womb? And you had this vision as a little boy of what could be and where a place you didn't even know what it was, but you just wanted to work there. What do you think was the purpose he created you for? That's a that's a good question that I struggle with. And we talk about it, and that together with the question of how do I finish well? Because mm. that, that fits it fits together. And we, we talk about that a lot, my my wife and I. Now, what is it? Why? Now, I had a very unusual incident. Uh, I don't want to tell this, uh, but it was a very unusual incident where I had, uh, now nearly 30 years ago, I had cancer. Mm. And, and I addressed that in a book too. And I tell that incident in the book so I can tell you here. It was the moment when I was waiting. The cancer was supposed to come back within ten months as a snowstorm. And after the initial operation, he said it will come back always as a snowstorm within ten months to a year. And we have to take immediately a scan and see if it is already back. And so we take a scan. Of course, the next day or two that I was waiting for the answer, we were in panic. I hope it's not back yet. In fact, my wife and I were lying on the floor praying when a friend of mine walked in. A friend of mine who is emotionally very even. I'm not. I go up and down my emotions. He is very even in his emotion. And he came in and said he had a vision a few weeks ago at the middle of the night. Somebody was in the room and told him 
Don't worry about your friend Horst, which is me. I have other plans for him. He will speak for me mm. in English and in German. And that may be it that I make speakers up business by business, but I make it clear always that I believe. And I believe I made a decision, and even that is nothing but a decision. Because you know, my good friend here in Germany, <clears throat> who said to me, Well, Horst, come on, you cannot prove that there is God. He's a proud atheist. And I said, No, but you cannot prove that there isn't. That's right. With other words, somehow we make a decision. It, it may evolve or, or it comes one day. So it is a decision. And I made a decision for hope, and you made it against hope. Your decision. And then he said, well, actually, I'm agnostic. Right there. <laughs> but that friend came out to speak with him. And since that, I speak. And have been invited to make a number of speeches in Germany. I spoke to a group of 12,000 in the arena. I spoke to the church in, in my village where I, had, I prayed I would have one to have the opportunity. Wow. And so on. So I think maybe somewhere there is the purpose for me. Uh, but the struggle still to finish well. And it, it, within, within God's will uh, is still there. And I'm not quite sure. So, But I'm grateful. I had a beautiful career. I have God gave me the opportunity to witness about him in mm. big groups. And again, the decision to do that, I mean, a decision, I also, I have to tell you, I spoke, I got a big award 20 years ago. And there was um, Ishikawa Award, people, most people don't know, it's very big in Asia about quality, excellence of, of organizational excellence of relative to people. And and as I spoke to the group, I look around and was supposed to speak for a few minutes. I look around and half of my Asians and say, well, I, I, no, I won't mention God. And I didn't. And I sat down. The next speaker was a lady who also got the award. And, and she said, she got up and said, the first thing I want to do is thank God. Mm -hmm. And I, all right. I said, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I, I got it. I, 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 I heard you. I'm not missing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had in one hand I was told to do it, and the other hand I got a little bit of it hit in the side when I didn't do it. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a decision. By the way, I always mention to people that doesn't even in in a marriage, in in your marriage, and I, I said that to, I love to say that to guys. I like to say that to guys because. Guys, in your marriage, it's a decision mm. to be in love. Not, oh, no, 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 not just to love your wife, but be in love. I'm married over nearly 45 years, but I'm still in love with my wife. I made that decision. Once you make a decision, you have to do the things to take. For example, guys, here's, here's my little gift I give every one of the guys on the, on, on the podcast. I give you a gift. Here's what you do. Next time you sit with your wife in a nice, quiet moment, um, being in a living here in Germany, our home in a village where all my friends make wine, maybe you have a glass of wine with her. Oh, if you're Baptist, you don't do it, don't, don't, don't do that. But so, in a quiet moment together, ask your wife, darling, how can I be a better husband to you? And after she cries, she will tell you, and then you do it. See, we. what am I saying? I'm saying if it is the marriage or, or anything else, you have to set an objective. And you have to do things to accomplish that objective. My objective was to be in love in all my life. So I have to do things that are through. I, I work on everything on my behavior, on my mind, when I drive into 
my driveway and the gate opens. I have a few seconds and I say, thank you, God, for my wonderful wife. Mind, I have to do what I'm telling you is really, if it is the work vision or your personal vision or anything else, be sure it's a vision. And then decide what you do and apply the things that you need to do to get to that vision. That's really the point. So much great content. You know, I have been a connoisseur of learning about, never, never got to stay there, but I have loved learning about the Ritz customer um, experience and what they want, their, their staff, their standards of excellence. And I've always heard of it about the Capella Group. But to hear the man behind it, to hear his story of rising from just a little boy who wanted to work in hotels to be in probably one of the most hotel, most well-known folks in the hotel industry in the world, and literally being the best of the best of the best and finding out where it came from and finding out his heart, not just for being the best, but for the Lord. And why the way he served was so honoring to the faith he believes in. So, so good. I'll tell you what, we did the call. Horst was in Germany while we did the call. We had a couple hiccups just in the uh, audio transmission. But I'll tell you what, there was no hiccup in the content because it was just gold. If you've enjoyed this, would you do me a favor? Would you push pause Go to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave a rating and review because it really does help others find their way to this podcast. And it's not about them finding their way here. It's about them finding their way into spiritual leadership and being the leaders that God created them to be in the spaces and places that God put them. Man, thanks for joining us today. Man, it means the world that you are with us. In our next episode, we get to sit down with John Houston of John Houston Homes, one of the biggest builders in the state of Texas. But I tell you what, what got us together was his motto, welcome home. And it's more than just the physical structure of the house. He's wanting to welcome people to. You are going to love it. Man, thanks again for joining us today. I pray that you are on the track, that one day you want to have others talk about the influence you've had in their life because of the faith that you've led with. Thanks again. Pray you have a great day, and I look forward to joining you next time on Lynch with a Leader. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.